0: The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Please visit pod617.com to learn about our podcast production services and view our full lineup of shows. All right, you know, there's a short list of NBA experts. When I talk to you about doing this podcast... And, and you're one of them. You're, you are an NBA oh, expert. Please, There's please, no doubt please, about please, that. please.
1: Who, the person we're about to talk to is, in my opinion, the NBA expert, oh, the well,
0: man you want to go to. Well, that's what I was going to say. There is, there is, you know, This is a Hall of Fame-like list, and David Aldrich is definitely at the top of that list.
1: In my book, absolutely.
0: So, David Aldrich, welcome to The meters Running with Shira Springer. You are a first-time, first-ballot guy. How does that feel?
2: Well, I appreciate the, the compliments, but there's only one of us, only one of the three of us that is currently talking was able to help me get into the stadium <laughs> in Brazil at the Olympics so I could watch Usain Bolt run with the wrong credential. And it wasn't me, and it wasn't you. <laughs> So. yes
1: I, ha- I have big pull with brazilian security forces that is my special superpower right david
2: exactly we have to get <laughs> into that, that story and yes. i got to see bolt run it's awesome and what i was
1: gonna say it was worth it was it not it was totally <laughs> yes worth
2: it. it was it yes it certainly was i agree thank you again
1: <laughs> you're more than welcome we had a blast but first i think we want to we want to Go from Cleveland to Rio. We'll start in Cleveland, yes. the less glamorous
0: of the GC. Slightly,
1: slightly, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, uh, you're on the ground. You're on the ground at the NBA Finals with Cleveland and Golden State. Now, to me, an unbiased observer, it looks like Golden State has us in the bag. We sit here; they're up two to nothing. It looks like Golden State is just dominant. Uh, do you agree?
2: Uh, I think certainly Game Two was. Uh... Was, they were dominant. Uh, they, they weren't uh, really seriously threatened in that game. You wonder how much uh, the way game one went down the last five minutes of regulation and overtime took out of the Cavaliers. Um, it, was, it was as down after a game as I've ever seen LeBron James, and I've seen him after his team was eliminated from the playoffs in various iterations over the years. Um, You know, I think great players, especially they know how difficult it is to win these things, you know, and so when you get a chance to win and if they, you know, if you win one of those games, you have a much better chance on, on the road. It, it took him. It took it took a lot out of him. Now, hey, he's a great player. He's the best player in the league. So anything's possible. Um, But certainly. Uh, the first two games Golden State looks like the better team
1: all right so let's go back to game one and what happened with j.r. Smith uh, yeah. uh, first of all did, you know how does this happen how does a player not know the score mm-hmm. at the end of the game and whose fault is that I mean obviously his fault but you know you also have what about 12 assistants at this point and I know that I know that in football there's a lot of emphasis on coaches you know doing situational awareness I think there is in the NBA as well and you know every major professional sports where does the blame rest for you know obviously some of it with JR but is the coaching staff what the heck happened and whose fault is it well I,
2: I I am reminded uh speaking of football of a of a time where Uh, Washington was playing the New York Giants in a football game and the Washington quarterback Gus Verratt scored a touchdown and proceeded in, in celebrating to slam his head against a concrete wall and suffer a concussion that required him to miss the rest of the game. And so after the game, someone asked the coach at the time, North Turner, well, you know, didn't you, didn't you, you know, Say something to them about, and he said, "I guess I just didn't realize I should have. I needed to tell my player, my quarterback, not to bang his head against the concrete wall, and I will remember that <laughs> next time in the list of do's and don'ts." <laughs> so, um, you know, at, at some level, yes, you could say that Ty Lue should have called timeout, or LeBron should have called timeout, or somebody else should have called timeout. At some point, you have to trust your. 12, 13 year NBA veteran (laughs) to know what to do in that situation. You don't have to micromanage every second they're on the floor. You have to kind of trust them that they know what to do in that situation and know not to dribble the ball to mid court and then pass the ball to someone else with a second left. (laughs) You know what I mean? At some point it's, it's on them. It's on the player, you know, uh, it, it, it does happen. Um, Famously, Magic Johnson in 1984 in Game 2 of the finals in Boston, a game that if the Lakers had won, they probably would have won that series, dribbled out the last 12 seconds of regulation. They didn't get a shot off. Magic is as smart as anybody who's ever played this game. It happens. It's not common, but it does happen. So um, it was just a brain cramp. There's no other way to describe it. Um obviously he didn't know the time and the score and, and it was a terrible mistake. Now, you could say that once it was clear he was dribbling to mid court and had no idea what was going on that maybe Ty Lu should have run to mid and called timeout. Yeah, okay. I, I allow that, that that was a possibility. But at that point, there was only like a second left on the clock. I'm not sure what kind of shot they would have gotten off. Now, maybe they would have gotten the shot
1: off. I don't know. Can I, what was it like, you know, just in real time as you were sitting there watching it and, you know, you're in you're in Oakland and what is going through your mind? What What was just like, are you in complete, total disbelief or? Are you thinking like some reporters might be thinking, oh, this is going to be a great story?
2: In the in the interest of of complete transparency, I did not cover the games in Oakland. I am in Cleveland to cover the games in Cleveland. So I was sitting at home watching it going, oh, my God, what is he doing? What is he doing? You know, and literally and we all had the same thought. He doesn't know what the score is. (laughs) He doesn't know the game's tied. He thinks they're ahead because that's what you do when you think your team is ahead. (laughs) So it was everybody had the same thought and we were all right. (laughs) It was just, it was one of those just bizarre things that the pressure of the finals creates. It creates, it makes people do things that they don't normally do.
0: David, in your role as a reporter for TNT, you've had a decorated yep. career at ESPN, uh, similar situation there, but from what you've done in terms of uh, where you are now and from where you started, take us back through your career and what this road has meant to you and how you've built this uh, tremendous career in broadcasting and in journalism.
2: Well, I mean, I appreciate the very kind words. Um, you know, the broadcasting part of my career was a complete and total accident that I had no idea was going to happen. (laughs) Um, like every red blooded American boy or girl I wanted to be a sports columnist when I started in the business. That was my goal. Um, uh, Shira can certainly speak to that Uh, when we were coming up in the business, newspapers were still preeminent. They were still the dominant means of communication. And if you worked at a great newspaper like Shira did, like I and does, and like I did at the Washington Post, um, you wanted to be a columnist at that paper because that was what we all aspired to be. And um, so I did all the you know covered all the sports that I that you have to cover on Washington. Um, and then at the time where I thought I was ready to be a columnist. Um, Uh, There just wasn't an opening. The three columnists that were in place at the time, none of them had even gotten close to 50 yet. So I just did the math and realized, well, if I want to be a columnist here, it's going to take me an awfully long time. I'm going to have to wait a long time for one of these guys to retire because people don't get fired from their column. They retire. You know, I mean, that's that's how it works. Um, So I wasn't looking to get in the TV, but it just so happened that that's when ESPN called and and wanted a full-time Reporter on the NBA, it was in that particular period of time in the mid-90s, um, ESPN and other TV stations were hiring print people um, to be their voice uh, in, in certain sports. And they had hired, obviously, Peter Gammons. They had hired uh, Chris Mortensen from newspapers to uh, cover those sports, and they wanted me to cover basketball. So that was the marriage. I didn't. I wasn't unhappy at the post. But I thought television was something interesting that I should try and see if I was any good at it. I had every intention or intention. I I believed that I would go back to newspapers after a certain period of time and then finish my career in newspapers. And it just so happened that um, I got very fortunate and had a certain facility for television that uh, allows me to do the job and have been doing it for about 22 years now.
1: Okay, so... In your broadcast and print career, and I'm asking this in light of the, we'll call it the Brian Colangelo burner scandal. What is the yeah. most bizarre story you've covered? And where does the burner scandal rank?
2: Wow, that's a good question. That's a good question. Oh, well, I think number one, to me, will always be the the White Howard... Stan Van Gundy press conference. <laughs> it wasn't even a press conference. It was a free game. It was a, a shoot around. It was the most bizarre thing, if you recall, at the time.
1: Uh, yeah, remind you know, remind us what, what that right. was all that whole that whole chaotic
2: what, what scene was. Stan Van Gundy at the time was the coach of the of the magic. Uh, they were just they were trying to decide what to do with Dwight Howard. They wanted to re-sign him. It became clear that Dwight didn't really want to play for Stan Van Gundy anymore, so there was all sorts of speculation and rumor out there that Stan Van Gundy was going to get fired. We had a game. I was with Turner at the time. We had a game in Orlando that night. um, So we had to go go to shoot-around in the morning and talk to the coach about the game because he has a game that night, and so we have to get our our stuff. Um, So I was there. And somebody asked him about the rumors, and he said, "Oh, well, those rumors are coming from Dwight Howard. I know exactly where they're coming from. He's trying to get me fired." Blah blah blah. And it was very kind of, you know, it was good stuff. It was good, you know, material. It was poignant. It was uh, news. And then, literally two minutes into his press conference, out comes Dwight Howard. <laughs> <laughs> And he puts his arm around Stan Van Gundy and says, you guys know I don't want Stan fired. I love Stan. This is, you know, he's my coach and blah, blah, blah. And Van Gundy's just looking at him like, what are you, nuts? (laughs) You know what I just said? And it was the most awkward, uncomfortable situation I've ever been involved in. But it was was unbelievable television. (laughs) That was so bizarre and weird. Um, so that I think that to me was the one that I was directly involved in that was so unbelievably strange and odd and weird. Um, you know, there have been others, uh, you know, the whole Jordan thing with the gambling and the, you know, the trip to Atlantic City to gamble the night before a playoff game and Dave Anderson wrote this column ripping him in the New York Times. And, you know, I remember Magic Johnson, who was doing TV for NBC that year, telling us. You guys are going to drive him out of this league. You're going to make him leave, and we all went, "Oh, come on, Magic! You're just, you're, you're over exaggerating." And he was right. <laughs> so, that was bizarre. So there's been all kinds of bizarre ones, but the burner, this burner thing, this is, eh, this is, this is up there. <laughs>
1: so what, what, where does it's where does where does the reporting stand at this point? Because last I heard, you know, basically Brian had admitted that one of the burner accounts was his. And then Correct. the Twitter sleuths out there had determined that the remainder were connected to his wife, and mm-hmm. the you know the Seventy Sixers are in the midst of an internal investigation into what's right. what, and Colangelo's right. job is obviously on the line.
2: Correct. Uh, as as I always like to say, events may overtake us in this situation, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, but the current. Th- that is exactly where we are is that the team is in the process of internally investigating what happened. I mean, I think it's, I don't think it's going to take all that long because basically once you confiscate cell phones and once you um, do a, you know, fairly detailed uh, electronic search of emails and things like that, I think you can, you will be able to find out rather quickly where these, tweets came from and who, who's, whose phones, who's, whose laptops they came from, and that will tell you the answer, right? I mean, so Brian Colangelo said that he had one account. He didn't tweet at all with that account. He just used the account to see what other people were, were saying about his team and about the league, and, you know, that's his story, and he's sticking to it. So we will find out. If that's true, then I think he may have a chance of surviving. But if it's determined that, some of the tweet did come from one of his, you know, media sources, whether it's the phone or a laptop, then he's done. He's, he's done. Um, and so we have to wait and see forensically what they what they find out.
0: What the world has come yeah, to. It's <laughs> such a bizarre situation. Is this the least likely guy in the NBA that you would say, hey, someone's going to have multiple burner accounts? Brian Colangelo? You
2: know, you know- I mean, you look. I, I have been doing this long enough to know that you shouldn't be surprised by what anybody does when nobody's looking, right? <laughs> and that's just, that's just yep. the nature of humanity: is that people do things that you would never expect them to do. Uh, and I wrote about this yet the other day uh, for NBA. dot com. I mean, sometimes you just do things that literally you can't explain. You just can't explain. And I've done them. And I wrote about one of the things that I did when I was a teenager. <laughs> That I to this day I can't explain why I did it, but I did it. I can't say I didn't do it because I did it. <laughs> so um, these things happen, and and um, you know whatever his whatever the detail of his involvement in this, any of it, even just having a burner account, even if he didn't tweet at all, you would go like, what? What are yeah. you doing? I am reminded and again. I wrote about this. I'm reminded of the famous Jay Leno interview with Hugh Grant. You guys may remember this when Hugh yes, Grant yes yes I know where you're going. Was arrested for soliciting a prostitute, and, Luke, and Hugh Grant at the time was a, not only a very, very successful actor, but was romantically involved with Elizabeth Hurley, who was one of the most stunning women on earth. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and was they were dating, and he went to Hollywood and solicited a prostitute, and he went on, he went on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and Jay Leno looked at him and said, "Okay, I have, my first question is, what the hell were you thinking?" <laughs> and That's exactly what you would ask him. Like yeah, what I mean? anybody would ask him. You know, and so, yeah, what were you thinking? You know, and that's what I would ask. I guess I would ask Brian Colangelo in this same situation. Do you dare
3: enter Monsterland? You may not know that some 50 miles west of Boston sits what may be one of the most diverse and comprehensive paranormal locations in the world. If you listen to the Monsterland podcast, the secrets will be revealed to you. I'm Maddie Blake, actor, TV host and believer, and I'm fortunate to be co-hosting the show with the author of the book known as Monsterland, Ronnie LeBlanc. Thanks, Maddie. Well, you said it. We're practically next door to the Lemster State Forest, a place that's had a decades-long list of strange phenomena including UFOs, paranormal activity, Bigfoot strange sightings, occult and military activity. Absolutely. And Ronnie, on the Monsterland podcast, we'll be joined by a murderer's row of experts from all over the world to finally figure out if these claims belong in the myth or Monsterland files. So make sure you listen, binge, and believe as each chapter of our mysterious journey unfolds. You can find the Monsterland podcast on pod617.com, the Mighty Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Join the passionate fans who we're already hearing from. See you soon in Monsterland.
1: I have a question, though. You know, Brian Colangelo aside, what are you more surprised about? The fact that it's taken, you know, the the fact that there is a scandal like this in the NBA, you know, where you've got a, you know, basketball ops guy using, maybe using a a Twitter account, burner Mm accounts to kind of put out his version of events and and slam players and stuff, or that it's taken... This long for something like this to come up. I mean, does the scandal itself surprise you, just the substance of it, or the fact that mm-hmm. it's taken this long? Because, you know, there was some things that I was it was it Kevin Durant last year with some tweets and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ha- exactly. Yeah. So burner accounts it seems to be the thing to do among you know NBA right. players, and I'm assuming more than just one NBA exec. So and it's a very oh, tech savvy league. So I'm actually surprised right. we haven't heard about or heard more about these burner type scandals where, you know, players are, you know, trash talking other players via Twitter and trash talking deals and stuff like that. So what, what surprised you most about how this all went down and, and was revealed?
2: Not, yeah. I mean, none of, I mean, the, the fact that there, that I, I would nobody would be surprised that players, coaches, GMs, owners have burner accounts, have burner phones, Have all kinds of different uh, electronic uh, methods to keep track not only of what they're doing, but what their teammates are doing, what their spouses are doing, what they're, you know. So, I mean, it's, you know, this is, there's so much dirt that goes in this league. (laughs) So, this is like, this is not, it just doesn't rise to me to the level of, oh my God, I can't believe that's going on. What is is going on you're, you're, I've, you've heard over the years i've heard over the years yes. of things that are way worse than this yes you yes. know that you just couldn't corro- you couldn't corroborate in real time
0: i was so, gonna say yes. most of them most of them have burner phones i don't know oh, about burner, yeah. burner twitter accounts
2: they have everything they have things you don't even know about you don't think that you don't think that there is surveillance going on of one kind <laughs> Of another or another (laughs) all over this league oh come on you know I mean so that's I guess that's what I'm saying is that it wasn't surprising it was surprising the number was surprising yeah Mm -hmm. I mean five that's a lot right but the idea that a GM or a coach or a player would would you know go on a fake account to defend themselves or to make themselves look good was not at all surprising to me because that happens all the time, in it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> one way or another. Now, it may be in the form of a burner account, and it may be in the form of an anonymous quote, anonymous source that says this thing about player X that's either complimentary or inflammatory, depending on the point of view and motivation of the person providing the anonymous quote, right? So, I mean, this is just sports, man. I mean, that's what, it, that's what happens. You know, these are very talented yet very insecure people so whatever goes on in hollywood whatever goes on on capitol hill it goes on in sports it's the same thing
0: david uh, before we let you go because we know you'll be on this burner story throughout the summer i'm sure there's no place you'd rather spend (laughs) uh, than on a burner on a burner story but lebron james will he be back in cleveland and if he's not back where is he going
2: uh i don't know i mean the honest answer is i don't know and nobody knows i don't think um I, I would say this that while i think he's you know i'm sure he if they lose the finals he'll be frustrated he'll be you know unhappy uh, if you look at every all of the potential landing places that everybody has talked about if you really look at them under scrutiny most of them tend to not make sense if you really pay attention to them because of the current personnel they have on the team. Now, could you change all that personnel? Sure. But the initial places you look at, like, let's take Philly, for example. I mean, a lot of people say he may go to Philly. And he may well go to Philly. I don't know.
1: Colangelo might need need another burner account to make that one happen, another seven or eight.
2: Yeah. Right. But if if you look at the roster of the 76ers – You know, and they have the guy who's probably going to be rookie of the year in Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons can't shoot. He can't shoot the basketball more than further than 10 feet. How does someone who can't shoot work with LeBron James? A guy who needs the ball, by the way.
1: Not well. How
2: does that work? It doesn't work. (laughs) Now, Now, could you trade Ben Simmons? Sure, you could. I don't know that I would trade a... 22 23 year old rookie who's the rookie of the year point guard as great as lebron is he's 33 34 years old that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense um you know again lebron has to have the ball to for any of it to make sense so you look at that you look at houston same thing okay they got within you know half of getting to the finals with the team they have and i'm not saying that you couldn't figure you know you wouldn't gladly take LeBron James if you're them. But what does that do to James Harden? James Harden's used to having the ball in his hands. He's used to shooting the ball a lot. So is James Harden going to just take the Chris Bo- Bosch role and just stand at the corner and wait and just, you know, or stand at the top of the key and wait for LeBron to pass him the ball? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so all of the things, all of the teams you look at, when you really look at them, you kind of go, I'm not sure. So what I guess what I'm saying is it wouldn't shock me if LeBron stays. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen because nobody knows. But this this franchise has made it clear they'll do whatever he wants them to do in order for him to stay. And so why would you leave that? This is home. You've won a championship here. Your family's here. Your kids start in high school next year at the high school you went to, by the way. Um, so, you know, Jim Valvano used to say, don't mess with Happy,
0: right? So,
2: um <laughs> So I don't know is the answer, but I think there's more chance than people are, real, are giving that he might just wind up staying here.
1: All right. As, as promised at the beginning, we're going to go from Cleveland to Rio. Do you want to tell them what happened with Usain the whole kind of bizarre craziness? Well, how
2: I, how I it snuck you it, was,
1: it wasn't that bizarre, actually. I just snuck you in. It wasn't
2: bizarre. It was just me being stupid and you <laughs> helping me when <laughs> no, I was stupid. You... <laughs> no, I, I had the wrong. I had the wrong credential. With a credential, you know, that the Olympics, you get a very specific credential that allows you to go to very specific venues. And the credential I had allowed me to go cover the basketball games because that's what I was there to do. It did not allow me to, for example, go to the volleyball. I wanted to go to the beach volleyball venue because it was right down the street from where we were staying. And I couldn't get in because I had the wrong credential. So when, uh, when Bolt was running in the final, the hundred final, I was really torn. I was like, wow, I really would like to see this because this is the last time he's going to run and I've never seen him in person. And I know the place is going to be packed and blah, blah, blah. And so I said, you know what, what the heck? I'm just going to go down there and just see if I can, walk in. I don't know. <laughs> you know, see if I can make a deal with somebody. And the fabulous Sheer Springer was so nice to kind of be my beard almost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> what, she have and, to translate or something?
0: No,
1: no. It's just... No, I just been there day after movie, day, so I sort of knew how you could...
2: You knew the ins and outs. I
1: knew she, how you could get around. She knew, how,
2: she knew where to go. She knew the entrance to go in, and she also knew the very... Very important role, which is if 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 the people at the credential the people who are at the security office see you talking to somebody else, then they're automatically assume well, they must know where they're going, so they're not paying any attention to us. So she was very nice and like she was talking to me about something important as we walked through security. They looked at her credential, saw she had the right one, and I was talking to her, so I must have the right one, and the guy just. Turned his back and went on to the next thing he was doing hmm. and did not even check my credential. And I walked in and got to see Bolt run in the 100th final, which was awesome. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart <laughs> for, for helping me get into the venue with the wrong credential.
1: It says something about Olympic security and, and you know, international it does. security it of does. sporting it events. Does. Which, yeah, what does uh, that tell uh, you? Uh, do, don't even go there. But suffice it to say, I'm not sure the metal detector worked.
2: I'll never be credentialed for the Olympics again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this was it for me. I hope it's not it for you.
0: Hey, David, if the Capitals win it, and it looks like they're going to, who's on the float? Pat Sajak? I know you're a big Pat Sajak guy. Uh, I saw Dude, your.
2: I was, that was so, such a bizarre choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, on the float, I would say this I would not have Pat Sajak on the float. I, I think you, would, you should have some of the old caps, like I think Rod Langway, Mike Gartner, people like that, that were there when they were really struggling to become relevant in, in DC Um, people like that. I think it would be nice to have a Poland's widow, Irene on the float. Mm -hmm. Um, They were the ones that brought the capitals to DC. Uh, I think she would be a nice person to have. And then if you want to have a celebrity, I mean, you could have say I guess, but I, I said this every night on Twitter. I think there's Patrick Jack's not from D.C. He lives in D.C. He lives in Annapolis, actually, now. Um, but he's not from the D.C. area. I would have people who are from the D.C. area, like Dave Chappelle, Sandra Bullock. I mean, there's lots of people who are from the D.C. area that you could have on that float that actually grew up in the D.C. area and know the city. And I'd have one of those people on the float first.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good call. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Say, Jack, yeah, come on.
1: I'm still bummed, though, that we won't get to see a parade down, you know, the Strip in Las Vegas. I I personally was rooting for that. But, you know, next year. (laughs) like
0: year.
2: That's their first year. We waited 43 years. I know, I know. know.
0: They've had some agony in D.C. (laughs) I know. David Aldridge, it's it's been a pleasure. You've been tremendous. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of the finals. And uh, Shira and I are both purchasing burner phones and we'll, we'll, we're going we'll to set, set up a, up a for whole bunch of twitter accounts, t- twitter t- accounts
2: exactly yes. watch out for us <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> thanks david thanks for having me at all i appreciate it all right man thank right. you take care oh my pleasure have a good one you too Do you like old horror movies? Do you enjoy cheesy special effects? How about bad dialogue? Well, if this is your cup of green tea, then you need to hear my podcast. I'm John O'Neill, the host of Fright Night, which you can find on pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Get your popcorn ready, keep the nightlight on, and listen to Fright Night, all episodes at pod617.com. The Boston Podcast Network.